Let's go there, Second Chronicles 30. And we're on the subject of revival. And uh, Second Chronicles 30, on the subject of revival. Uh, of course, last Sunday we observed the message of revival. The message of revival. And that was in two parts. Of course, a minister stands up at the direction of God and declares God's impending judgment along with the goodness of God through the Lord Jesus. Those two things are really the foundation of what you'll find that uh, uh, the message that will cause revival. A minister standing up under the power of God, at the direction of God, declaring God's impending judgment, along with God's goodness, His grace, His mercy through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message. That's the message of revival. Now, the results of revival, remember we talked about those on Sunday as well, the results of revival are repentance, repentance and joy. Repentance and joy. Repentance and joy. Uh, you can't have true revival at the hand of God apart from there being repentance, a turning away from that which is not right, turning to that which is right, you see. And then joy, which is our strength, you see. And so what I want to do tonight in Second Chronicles 30, Second Chronicles 30, Old Testament, let's go there, Second Chronicles 30, and we're going to exposit this chapter here tonight and just look at another revival that took place, another revival that took place. And as we go through this here, let's see if we can pick out these elements that we've talked about, the message of revival, God's impending judgment, and the goodness of God. And let's see if we see the results of repentance and joy. Looking at revival. Looking at revival. And so let's look at Second Chronicles 30 here, verse 1. And Hezekiah, now he was a godly king, king of Judah, you know. And uh, remember, uh, when Solomon died, Israel broke into two parts. Ten tribes in the north, known as Israel, and two tribes. Remember, there are 12 tribes total. And when uh, Solomon, after he, he died, his son took over and, and uh, laid great burden upon the people. And there was a, a break there in Israel. The 12 tribes broke. Ten of them succeeded in the, in the north, known as Israel, and two, two tribes in the south, known as Judah, you see. And nonetheless, Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah, see, and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord God of Israel. For the king and his leaders and all the assembly in Jerusalem had agreed to keep the Passover in the second month. For they could not keep it at the regular time. Now wonder why. Because a sufficient number of priests had not consecrated themselves, nor had the people gathered together at Jerusalem. Now, it's interesting. A sufficient number of priests, see, they couldn't keep, keep the Passover at the regular time because a sufficient number of priests 
had not consecrated themselves. Had not consecrated themselves. As I've been looking at the revivals of yesteryear, you know, God used ministers to bring those revivals about. And of course, last Sunday we looked at that one in Nineveh, and, and that was brought about by the preaching of Jonah, remember? And then, of course, in Samaria, we looked at that from Acts, the 8th chapter, how Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ. Remember? Jonah went to Nineveh and preached the message that God gave him to preach and cried out against it, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Remember that? But it was that God did it at the hand of of, of a minister that would stand up under the power of God and cry out what God wanted wanted said. And same thing in, in, in Acts, the eighth chapter, Philip went to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to him. But here, you see, you have a number of priests that had not consecrated themselves, that had not consecrated themselves. It's important. There's going to be revival, uh, uh, you know, that, that the pulpit is consecrated to the Lord, you see. And here, that wasn't the case. Nor had the people gathered together at Jerusalem. They, they didn't have a whole lot of folks showing up. They didn't have a whole lot of folks showing up, you see. Nor had the people gathered together at Jerusalem. Do you see that? This place needs a revival, doesn't it? Doesn't it? See, things had, had died, if you will. There's no life. No life in the priests. No life in the people, no life in the temple, no, there's a deadness. Remember we gave you the definition of revival, didn't we? We stated several things and wasn't one of the definitions of bringing back to life something that had, something that had died, uh, a deadness sets in, so what needs to happen? There needs to be a revival take place to bring the life back. This place right here we're talking about under Hezekiah had, had grown dead. Now, as you go back and you study, you see that, that like Hezekiah's father and the kings back before him, many of them evil kings and they allowed uh, uh, the, the worship had become polluted. You, you follow what I'm saying? The worship had become polluted and, uh, and, and, and diluted and the priests not consecrated to the Lord. The people aren't, aren't coming to honor God and it's just dead. They need a revival, you see. And anyway, verse 4, the matter pleased the king and all the assembly, because you see in verse 2, the king and his leaders and all the assembly in Jerusalem had agreed to keep the Passover. They, they want to have the Passover. They, but you see, they couldn't do it because the priests hadn't consecrated themselves and there wasn't a sufficient number of people. Nonetheless, verse 4, the matter pleased the king and the assembly, you know, his leaders and whatnot, So they resolved to make a proclamation throughout all Israel from Beersheba to Dan that they should come and keep the Passover to the Lord God of Israel at Jerusalem. Now watch this. Since they had not done it for a long time in the prescribed manner. They had not done it for a long time in the prescribed manner. They had not done it for a long time in this prescribed manner. You know... Folks, it's so easy. It's just so easy if you're not watchful. It's so easy to get away from what the Bible says to do. It's just so easy to do it. And, and if you're not watchful, it's just, just that quick. You can just, just, 
I've watched it. I've, I've watched, I've been, remember my hat has an O on it. Remember I have a hat that has an O on it. I've got several hats, but one of them has an O on it. What does that stand for? Uh, observer. And so I've observed and I've watched a lot over the years. And I've watched folks and I've even done it myself. It's just so easy if you don't stay on top of it and you don't keep yourself stirred up in the things of God. It's so easy to grow cold. It's so easy to let things slip. Remember the Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews about letting things slip. And the Bible tells us to keep ourselves stirred up. And it's just so easy if you're not watchful to just, just, just by easy stages cool off, cool off. And, and, and I've watched folks over the many years just, just by easy stages, you know. Uh, at one time, I mean, the doors open at the church and you just, you can't keep them out. They're here and they're going to, you know, they're just, you follow what I'm saying. And then, and then as things go along, then just little by little, you, you just watch them, you know, they start. I, I, I remember, I'm thinking of one fellow now, when we started the church, I mean, he, he, he moved. He relocated and moved to this area. And, and was here every time the door is open. I mean, every time. And he was here more than I was. I like to say like this. He was here, he was here as much as oxygen. <laughs> and then his time, a fine man, fine man. And I honestly don't know what, what he's doing today. I don't know. But I just know as it pertains here, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I stopped seeing him doing the things that he did and around the church and then you don't see him on Wednesdays anymore and then you don't see him on Sundays anymore and you check on him and don't respond and 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 you know I can only assume he hopefully he's still serving God somewhere fine man but you you watch people just you know and sometimes the circumstances of life can hit us and cause us to cool off have you ever found that has anybody ever run into that I've watched people already that they're, they're serving God and just the circumstances of life hit them and they just get to the point they throw up their hands and say, what's the use? You know, I'm, I'm serving God and things are still going uh, bad for me. Well, join the club. Join the club. But you know what? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our what? Our faith. And so we overcome. Is that right? We overcome, see? But uh, if you're not watchful, it's just so easy, whether it's circumstantial or whatever it is, to just start cooling off, cooling off, cooling off, cooling off by easy stages. The Bible talks about Abraham. He obeyed God and he got right where he was supposed to be. But then we see all of a sudden Abraham's in Egypt. How did he get in Egypt? The Bible says by easy stages. He just moved. I've seen people get right where they're supposed to be and, and by easy stages they just start moving. They don't even realize it really. How many's ever been in the car and you turn the radio up a little bit by a little bit by a little bit, you know? And then you go in to get a soda or something and you come back out and you turn the car on and it about blows you out because the music's so loud. Well, it didn't seem loud just a little bit ago when you went in to get the soda. Why? Because you became desensitized to it, you see. Same thing's true with serving God. You know, you can just start cooling off just a little bit by little bit by little bit and then all of a sudden you're ice cold and you wonder, how did that happen? Um... We need to keep ourselves stirred up. But you see, they had, look at verse 5 again. Since they had not done it for a long time in the prescribed manner, they had not, they had not kept the Passover, at least in, in the, the whole of the people hadn't done it, in a long time in the prescribed manner. 
Well, you know, we need to obey God and we need to obey what he says in the prescribed way. Can, can you say amen to that? Yeah, we do. We need to do what he says do. A lot of times I've seen folks say, well, I wonder how come, you know, uh, uh, such and such isn't working for me. And you get right down to it and you talk to them and you find out that they're really not doing what God said to do. They're really not following what God said to do in the prescribed manner. I tell you what, if we'll obey God and do what he says to do in the prescribed manner, it will work. Praise God, the word will work and we'll be victorious, you see. Nonetheless, they had not done it for a long time in the prescribed manner. Does this place need a revival? Well, it looks like it to me. Then notice the runners went throughout all Israel and Judah with the letters from the king. See, they didn't have CNN or MSNBC, or the, so they, had to, they didn't have internet, so they had runners, carriers, if you will, you know. Uh, and, and they went throughout all Israel and Judah with the letters from the king and his leaders and spoke according to the command of the king. And so, see, they went out. Remember what Jonah did? He went to Nineveh and he cried out against it. Well, here we've got criers or runners going out and they're crying out, inviting the people. Notice what they're saying. Notice verse 6 what, as they go throughout the land of Judah, Israel and whatnot. Notice what they say. They say, children of Israel... Now notice, what do they say here? Return to the Lord. Boy, they didn't, they, they, I mean, that's kind of a blunt thing to say, isn't it? Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. I'm sure that there is people that didn't want to hear that. You see, the message, of the message that sparks revival is not a message that people generally want to hear. Because, you see, people have deadened, they've become deadened, you see. And when you cry out to them the thing that God wants them to hear, so oft times they don't want to hear that. And a lot of times they'll rebel against it and they'll turn away. Thank God some will respond. But notice these criers went out, and we'll see that in a minute here, return to the Lord. Uh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, then he will return to the remnant of you who have escaped from the hand of the king of Syria. Now watch this. And don't be like your fathers and your brethren who have trespassed against the Lord God. Well, that's a firm word, isn't it? So don't be like the, don't be like the, 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 the sinners. Don't act like the sinners. Doesn't the Bible say come out from among them and be separate? Is that right? That, that's really what a message the church as a whole that I'm aware of needs to hear because so many times you go into churches or you observe churches and you can't tell, are you in a church or are you in a nightclub? Huh? Now, now, now that's the honest to goodness truth. And, and, and you, 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 you watch particularly, you know, ladies lots of times, you, you know, even on a worship team, you look, Pastor Diane and I was in one church some time ago, we looked up, and, and it, the ladies on the worship team look like, like a bunch of prostitutes standing up there. Are they, are they Christians or are they prostitutes? Can't tell the difference. Now, how many of you know you come into the house of God that you look up on the platform, you look at the ladies up there, they ought to look like ladies. Amen? Amen. They ought to look like, like whores. Is that right? Amen. Now, is that right? Amen. Praise God. And, uh, boy, see, that's a blunt word. I'd get thrown out of a lot of churches in this land in this hour if I stood in the pulpit and said that. We ought to look different than the world. We ought to act different than the world. Is that right? I think a preacher ought to look like a preacher, not look like a sissy. Come on. Love the Lord, that's right. 
Huh? A man ought to look like a man, smell like a man, act like a man. Is that right? Don't be like your fathers and your brethren who trespassed against the Lord God of their fathers so that he gave them up to desolation as you see. And do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord and enter his sanctuary which he has sanctified forever and serve the Lord your God that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. Well, look at that. You've got people going out and crying out. What are they saying there? Are they telling the people really what the people might want to hear? No, they're telling the people what God wants them to hear. Return to the Lord. Don't be like the sinners. Don't be stiff-necked, you see. That the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. Well, do you see they're preaching God's impending judgment? Do you see that? How many of you see that? Do you, do you see that? See, we'll never get to a place of revival if, if, if even in this church, if this, if this pulpit is watered down to where I'm giving you a feel-good message every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night. That's not what, what you need. You need to hear, thus saith the Lord. Is that right? God's impending judgment. His impending judgment. That's what they're crying out. Now look at verse 9. For if you return to the Lord, your brethren and your children will be treated with compassion by those who led them captive so they may come back to this land. Well, there's a good one to grab a hold of for your children. If, uh, if they're not serving God, just let revival take place in you. Praise God. Did you hear, did you hear me? For if you return to the Lord, your brethren and your children, notice, if you return to the Lord, your brethren and your children will be treated with compassion by those who led them captive so they may come back to this land. For the Lord your God, now watch this, what was the message of revival, impending judgment, and also the, the goodness of God? Look at this. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn his face from you if you return to him. You see that? You see that? You see? So they're preaching. They're crying out against these folks. They're, now they're going out making an invitation, but the invitation wasn't, wasn't a, 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 a sweet invitation. It was the, the God's impending judgment. But it was also the goodness and the graciousness of the Lord. Remember, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Is, is that right? And, and so you see the message of revival here. This place needed revival, and here you have the message of revival. The God's impending judgment and His goodness and His mercy. Now notice verse 10. So the runners passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh, as far as Zebulun, but they laughed at them and mocked them. Now this was some of the people laughed at these runners. They laughed at them and mocked them. Well... You know, that happens sometimes. Uh, the message of God sometimes gets laughed at and mocked. Remember Jesus went over to Jairus' house to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. Remember that? And he said, she's not dead but sleeping. How many remembers that? And the Bible says they ridiculed him and laughed him to scorn. Is that right? And so 
when, a, when a, a, a man of God or a woman of God stands up under the power of God and begins to declare the judgment of God and the grace of God, sometimes folks will laugh at them and mock them. Is that right? But you go right on preaching it anyway. You go right on teaching it anyway. You go right on with the plan of God. And, and, and it's interesting. Uh, and actually, if you really look at this situation, if you study the history and you had seen the deadness that had overcome Judah and Israel and whatnot, and, and they hadn't had Passover in, in a long time and all of that, revival... You know, with God, all things are possible, but I'll tell you the truth, revival in that situation looked improbable. Have you ever seen a situation that looked improbable? But you know, God can also pull that off too, amen? Amen. And nevertheless, nevertheless, some of Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. You see, that's why we as preachers keep preaching it. That's why we keep declaring it, because we may get laughed at and mocked and scorned, but there will be some that will listen and humble themselves, you see. Did you hear me? So that's why you keep preaching it and teaching it. Amen. And and you see, also, if revival is going to take place, there has to be a humbling on the part of the people. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Isn't that what the Bible says? And so they humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem... Also the hand of God, see that's, what, that's ultimately what you need, is the hand of God. And this, this revival was at the hand of God, you see. The hand of God was on Judah to give them singleness of heart, to obey the command of the king, that's of Hezekiah, Hezekiah you know, and the leaders, and the word of the Lord. Now many people, a very great assembly, gathered at Jerusalem to keep the feast of unleavened bread in the second month. Now notice... They come. So the criers went out and they preached what we read here that they preached. And some laughed and mocked and scorned, but many came. They humbled themselves and and they came to Jerusalem. And notice in verse 14 what the Bible says here. They arose and took away the altars, and that's altars to idols. You see, because things had gotten really, really, really bad. And, and, And people were worshiping. Uh, other things than uh, than God, and they had altars built to idols and incense going up to idols and false gods. You see, but you see, these people came and they 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 came as Hezekiah had invited them to come, and he invited them at the hand of God. And so now they've gathered there in Jerusalem, and now notice they rise up and take away the altars that were in Jerusalem. And they took away all the incense altars and cast them into the brook Kidron. You see, if you want to have revival, you're going to have to put idols out of your life. And there can't be anything more important to you than God and His house. Do you hear me? Do you understand that? To really have revival. And, uh, and, and so they put, the, they put the idols out. Actually, if you study it out, remember uh, when Moses... Remember when, when uh, the, the serpents were, re, were, were coming against the children of Israel? Remember that? And he made the, he, the bronze, remember the, that brass serpent? Remember and put it on a pole? Jesus referred to it, remember? He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, remember that? How many, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And everybody that looked at that brass serpent, you know, lived. And they, weren't, they didn't die of the, the, the snake bites. Remember that? Well, as time went by, the children of Israel took that brass serpent 
and they made a god out of it. You understand that? They gave it a name. And they were worshiping it. And Hezekiah, along with these other altars and, and incense altars, uh, he also took that brass serpent and destroyed it. You know, they did away with idols. One thing that concerns me about revival breaking out in this land is that the, the idolatry that is in the United States of America, it, it saddens me. And, and, and so many put so many things ahead of God. And, and I mean, it's right in front of us, the American Idol. It's right there on television, isn't it? And, I, you know, if you enjoy watching that show, that, that, you know, but I've had people tell me, I can't come to church, I've got to stay home. I, had, I have to stay home and watch my idol. And you can't have revival if, that, if that's, you just can't have it. You hear me? Now, you might be able to have it with one or two people, but if, if you got the bulk of the, the people are more interested in these other things than in coming and worshiping God and honoring Him, you just can't have revival. See, there has to be a humbling. There has to be a laying that aside. You follow what I'm saying? If you enjoy that show, tape it. Watch it later. Is that right? Well, it comes down, right down to how bad do you want to have revival? How bad do you want to have revival? And anyway, they arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem. They took away the incense altars and cast them into the brook Kidron. They got rid of them. These people were serious. They meant business. I like what uh, this one fellow said. Duncan Campbell said this. He said, revival is not churches filled with people, but people filled with God. Amen. Revival is not churches filled with people, but people filled with God. Amen. Give me a few people that are filled with God, and you can get more done than a whole lot of people that are there with their own agenda. Did you hear what I just said? And so they did away with the idols. Now look at verse 15. Then they... Now it's interesting here. You had some people that were so stirred up. Now remember the priests, they hadn't consecrated themselves, had they? Did we read that earlier? Are you following me? They, huh? So they, the people, not the priests, but the people. The Bible says, verse 15, Then they, talking about the people, not the priests, the people slaughtered... See, the priests were supposed to be doing this, but... They hadn't consecrated themselves and uh, the people slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the, of the second month and notice the priests and the Levites were ashamed. The people got so stirred up for God and so excited about God that, that the, it, it made the priests and the Levites ashamed. Now that's, that's really sad when the people are more excited about God than the preacher. The preacher ought to be leading things, is that right? I wonder what that would be like to see people more stirred up for God than me. It would almost be refreshing, amen. But not if I'm being lazy, right? And these, actually as you studied out, these priests had become lazy. They'd become lazy and these preachers had become lazy. These, these Levites, they'd become lazy. 
and they were consecrating themselves. But the people have come now into, into Jerusalem and they're stirred up and the priests have become lukewarm and lackadaisical. And so the people were so stirred up that it embarrassed the priests and they were ashamed. The, you can study it out and see. Because they, they were not taking more of an active part, the people were putting them to shame. The people were so excited and stirred up that it made it actually it got the priests stirred up. Well, wouldn't that, that, that just excite me? Have you so stirred up that it got me stirred up? Wouldn't that be wonderful? But, but you see, these priests were just cold. I mean, they were lukewarm to cold and, and the people were, now they're on fire and it's, and it's motivating the priests. And notice verse 15, and, and the priests and the Levites were ashamed, so they sanctified themselves and brought the burnt offerings to the house of the Lord. They stood in their place according to their custom, according to the laws of Moses, the man of God. The priests sprinkled the blood received from the hand of the Levites. For there were many in the assembly. So the priests got stirred up. Priests got revived. Praise God. If you're going to have revival, you need the priests to get stirred up. You need to have the preachers stirred up. Is that right? For there, Verse 15. For there were many in the assembly, talking about the people now, who had not sanctified themselves. Therefore the Levites had charged of the slaughter of the Passover lambs for everyone who was not clean to sanctify them to the Lord. Now now watch this. For the multitude of the people, many from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves. It was that, 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 that cleansing ceremony and whatnot to be performed by the priests. As I studied into it, it may have had to do with the fact that there weren't enough priests that were available to go through that ceremony because they had been so, the priests had been so lackadaisical. But nonetheless, the multitude of the people were not ceremonially, ceremonially cleansed. Ceremonially, well, you know what I mean, cleansed. Yet they, yet, now notice, yet they ate the Passover, now watch it, contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the good Lord provide atonement for everyone, watch this, who prepares his heart to seek God, who prepares his heart to seek God, the Lord, God of his fathers, though he is not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary, and the Lord listened to Hezekiah and healed the people. You know, let me just say this. Revival supersedes the details of ceremonialism. Now, Maybe the people, see, they were so excited and their heart was, was seeking after the Lord and they just, for whatever reason, they just didn't go through that ceremonial cleansing and normally you have to go through that before you can eat the Passover, you know. But the, for whatever reason, they didn't do it, but they were so stirred up that they went ahead and ate anyway and the king prayed to the Lord and, and, and God atoned, you see, you can get so caught. Somebody say, yeah, but they weren't technically obeying the word of God. Well, well, listen, I'm, I'm telling you, listen to me. Uh, you know, we need to obey the word of God and we need to follow the prescribed fashion. But I tell you what, in this instance right here, they were so, they were so stirred up and their heart was, was, was moved to seek God that the ceremonialism didn't make any difference in this occasion. And I've watched ceremonialism and religion, if you will, kill moves of God. 
Let's follow the word of God and let's, let's obey the word of God. But, but, you know, there's the letter of the law and there's the spirit of the law. Amen? And, and the Bible says the letter kills, but the, law, the, but the spirit does what? Gives life. There, there's the letter of the law and there's the spirit of the law. And I tell you what, I've watched a lot of people in days gone by that they're moved so by the letter of the law that they don't ever let the, they, they, they miss the whole spirit of things. I like the way Jesus said it. He said, you'll strain or you'll gag at a gnat, but you'll turn right around and swallow a camel. And I've watched people over the years, they get so ceremonial and so sanctimonious and, 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 and you know, to the point where, where they're, I mean, that, that God couldn't move in the midst of them if he wanted to because they're so cold and so ceremonial. Revival supersedes the details of ceremonialism. Revival supersedes the details of ceremonialism. Amen. And that's what was happening here. You had people that were so stirred up and so on fire and they just wanted to do what God, uh, uh, you know, uh, let, let me put it to you this way. It, it's like if, if somebody gets so stirred up around here and they, and they get so wound up for God and they're so on fire for God and they say, Pastor, I want to come up and I want to clean the johns and I want to I maintain the grounds and I want to come and vacuum the floors and I want to, I you know, do your water and I want to, and I mean, they're just stirred up and I say, no, you can't do it. And they say, why not? Say, because you haven't been here on a Sunday morning and I haven't officially had you stand up and officially welcomed you in as a member. Now, wouldn't that be ridiculous? I said, wouldn't that be ridiculous? I said, wouldn't that be ridiculous? I got people that attend here that they never have become an official member. And, and, and that's fine. And I've got other people, they've become official members and they haven't been here in years. So what, what difference does that make? I don't go so much by who officially becomes a member. I go by who's here and who's putting their hand to the plow. Now we have membership and it's important and I'm not saying that it isn't because it is. And all of that, it doesn't save you or none of that. But do you understand what I'm driving at? And that's, does that kind of illustrate to you what, what, you know, it's like if I had somebody so stirred up, man, we, you know, we just, we want to put our hand to the plow and, and uh, uh, you know, or if I'm broken down out there with a flat tire and they're so stirred up and they say, Pastor, I've been to church and I've heard you preach and I, let me help you change your, your, your tire. And I say, no, you can't do it. You're not a, an official member of the church yet. Well, that's kind of what was going on here. And, and you can, you can uh, let all those little details and things. We need to follow the word of God, but don't let the letter of the law kill the spirit of things. Amen? Did that little illustration help you? Revival supersedes the details of ceremonialism. Verse 21. So the children of Israel who were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. Well, see now, what's a result? What is a result? What's a result of, 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 of revival? What's a result? Joy. Joy. So great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing to the Lord, accompanied by loud instruments. And Hezekiah gave encouragement to all the Levites who taught the good knowledge of the Lord. And they ate throughout the feast seven days, offering peace offerings and 
and making confession to the Lord God of their fathers. Well, making confession to the Lord, that looks to me like repentance. That's another result of revival, isn't it? Repentance and joy. Repentance and joy. We've seen gladness. We've seen repentance. But let's go on. Then the whole assembly agreed to keep the feast another seven days. I mean, they tried to shut it down and it just kept going on. Oh, that, that's a cry of my heart. To have people so excited about God, you just, you just have service. I'd like to just see that sometime. Have service where you just had it every night and the people were just so excited to come and you run for a week and then the people say, you know, we want more, we want more, we want more, we want more, we want more. Wouldn't that be something? I tell you what, we ever get, we ever get that going on around here I tell you what and there's no telling what God would be able to do <laughs> and then you get to the end of the second week you say well we're going to shut this down we want more wouldn't that be something wouldn't that be something you get into, you get into about the sixth week of that we want more we want more we want more and then then you start, you've got people bringing people in here in wheelchairs and then we're able to stand and say, stand, rise and walk and they start getting up and walking, you see. Amen. But you probably won't have that kind of power if on a Wednesday night people are griping and complaining because you're not out at 8 o'clock. Brother Hagen said, remember he, somebody had asked him or whatever about how... The, 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 those wonderful miracles and signs that he saw in his ministry and he got to thinking about it and he made the statement that a lot of times he'd run his meetings like four or five weeks or whatever, six weeks and it wasn't until like the last week that the power of God really started moving. Interesting, isn't it? Now let's read on here. So they keep running this on. Verse 24, For Hezekiah king of Judah gave to the assembly a thousand bulls and seven thousand sheep. And the leaders gave to the assembly a thousand bulls, ten thousand sheep, and a great number of priests sanctified themselves. So he's given them things to offer to God, and that's all wonderful. And the priests are sanctifying. And Do you see revival going on here? The whole assembly of Judah rejoiced. Also the priests and Levites. So now everybody's revived. All the assembly that came from Israel, the sojourners who came from the land of Israel, and those who dwelt in Judah. So there was, there was what? Now there was what? There what was there? There was what? There was what was there? There was great, say great joy, in Jerusalem. See, that's a result of revival, isn't it? Great joy. Repentance, great joy. And notice this, there was great joy in Jerusalem for since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. <coughs> Praise God forevermore. Revival. Revival. And the joy of the Lord. Amen. And uh, they were revived. But what brought it about? The hand of God and the king being obedient to the... To the, to the what God wanted done, you know, and then the criers went out. What do they preach? They preach the impending judgment and what? The goodness of God. And then there was revival, and what do we see as a result? We see repentance and joy. Can you say amen? amen. Now I'm going to conclude here by saying something about manifestations of joy. Manifestations of joy. 
Are visible manifestations a sign of revival? Listen to this and then we'll close. Many supernatural signs and wonders have been observed and recorded in revivals. And you can go to Acts 8, that revival in Samaria, and we'll say more about that as we go in the services ahead. But remember in Acts 8, remember Philip went down there to the city of Samaria, preached Christ, unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Well, those are some good signs, aren't they? However, listen here, however, visible manifestations are not necessarily a proof that revival is genuine. Counterfeit manifestations are characteristics of false revivals. Any movement, now listen to this, because I've been looking at the revivals of days gone by. Listen, any movement which has physical manifestations as its central focus, See, what should the central focus be? Uh, repentance and joy. The joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. Is that right? Any movement which has physical manifestations as its central focus, such as laughing, jerking, jerking, shaking, falling down, rolling on the floor, etc., is suspect, especially if repentance and consecration to God are absent. Excellent, powerful, and proven revivalists of yesteryear, such as Jonathan Edwards and George Whitefield, warned this years ago, warned against physical manifestations when they become the epicenter of a movement and were detached from true repentance and the fruit of the Spirit. A revival is, by its very nature, bound to be accompanied by emotional excitement. However, once the idea gains acceptance that the degree of the Spirit's work is to be measured by the strength of emotion or outward manifestations, the Spirit of God is quenched and the revival comes to an end. Did you hear that? Did you, did you hear that? I'm going to read that again because you need to hear just the last part of that. Excellent, powerful, and proven revivalists of yesteryear, such as Jonathan Edwards and George Whitefield, warned about physical manifestations when they become the epicenter of a movement and were detached from true repentance and the fruit of the Spirit. A revival by its very nature is bound to be accompanied by emotional excitement. However, once the idea gains acceptance that the degree of the Holy Spirit's work is to be measured by the strength of emotion or outward manifestations, such as laughing or dancing or running or rolling or whatever, when that becomes the epicenter and the idea is taken that, you know, well, there's a lot of people, you know, laughing or even crying or running or whatever it might be, if, that be, if those physical manifestations become the central focus 
then the Spirit of God will be quenched and the revival will come to an end. Well, I'm hungry for revival. Amen. Amen. And I want it God's way. Praise God. And I want the manifestations to be what God wants. Praise God. Repentance and joy. That's unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. And if these other things happen, they happen, but they're not the central focus. And and they don't mean a hill of beans one way or the other. Are people repenting? Are people being revived? Is the congregation being revived? Is there repentance? Is there the fruit of the Spirit? Are the lost being brought to Christ? That's what you measure it by, not if somebody's laughing or dancing or jumping around. Can you say amen? amen? Did you get anything out of this tonight? Praise God. Well, I'm hungry for revival. Ushers, come. Let's